greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus, I am your host. I'm joined by the usual crew of Gunnar Hilsey, Capodan, and maybe even for a full show, uh, Danish Gunnar is, is with us again. Um, we are going to look back at the Newcastle away day. I'm still knackered from it, if I'm honest. Um, and then we're going to look forward to uh, a really, really important game against Brighton at the weekend. Uh, and the Danish are coming to town. Alex, how are you? Very good, mate. Very good. I am very much looking forward to to the game next weekend. Um, not only because of uh, the game, but also the company. I look forward to seeing you guys and singing singing my heart out for for the team in the stadium so yeah i'm 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 buzzing right now and just uh, can't wait to to fly out friday uh, to london brilliant and i believe you're in training already aren't you i am i've got my golden tuborg next to me so i'm getting ready excellent <laughs> and your your liver's been practicing brilliant dan uh we we we, we didn't have Kane, didn't we up there Honestly, just the thought of looking at that can of beer is absolutely. I'm dreading it for next week. Drinking with you, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm really not ready. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, Trev, uh, you um, you get out at Grantham, but uh, we had a long, long, long six-hour drive back from Newcastle, uh, but was a really good trip. Oh, it, it was the it was the best domestic trip of this year it was the best on the field for me it was the best off the field it was the best in the stands it was the best in the town it was just a great trip from start to finish um in a great hotel by the way that we got at a very reasonable price enjoyed it all and but mostly enjoyed the arsenal performance and the win we yeah, came of age really we came of age is that there's a picture of us uh, in the car park. Um, well, it, it was a car park that could take probably about 300 cars. But um, one particular driver, who shall name Renee, uh, re- remain nameless, uh, Trevor, uh, took four spaces up. Well, I, I just pulled in the car park. It didn't matter. There was loads of room. It's not the end of the world. Blimey. Not if every space was full. There's about four cars in a car park for 400. So... You know, yeah, yeah your, da- your, da- your daughter pointed it out as well, which was really good. Which was really oh, good. Uh, good to see well, everybody in the chat. And... Market, please, Ferg. Go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Formed between two roses, thought so. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Oh, dear. Yeah, true, uh, yeah I, 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 your tweet taking the elderly out, you know, that was, uh, you know, it was, it was nice. Was... Obviously, you two got released for the day. So, um, bloody hell, it was a you two and nutty as you always are. Nagging, uh, he's not a like that the whole day. Um, before we go any further, happy birthday for last uh weekend to Marissa in the middle there. Uh, it was uh, her birthday, we celebrated with three points as well. Um, and you know, Newcastle, uh, an amazing stadium, some uh, nice statues out there of Alan Shearer, but uh, a beautiful statue there of Sir Bobby Robson as well. Uh, but it is a long, 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 long way up. Uh, view of the city, and that's the view from the seat. It is just immense. It's it's like watching, it's like watching probably, I don't know, Sabuzio, uh many years ago. Trevor, the boys won't even know what we're talking about right now. <laughs> uh, do you know what, mate? I, I don't mind it up there for the for the game. To be honest, it's uh, 
you get a cracking view, a whole different perspective of how the game's being played looking down like that. Having said that, I'm only not complaining because I used the lift to go up. I didn't have to walk up all those hundreds of stairs. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how they get away with it, Newcastle, because we're meant to have, sort of way fans are meant to have a certain amount of pitch side. Seats, Funny enough, I, I, I was speaking to somebody on, on uh, Monday and I said, like, you know, I thought uh, Premier League teams had to have uh, away fans down beside uh, the pitch. And this person's involved in football and they said, yes, they do. I said, well, why did Newcastle not do it? I said, they just pay the fine. That's all they do. They just take the fine and that's it. It's, there's got to be more sanctions than that. You know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. You've got a parachute with our ticket. Yeah, it did feel like it. I must admit, Heath, um, as we got close to uh, the turnstiles, um, I could see where the turnstiles were directing everybody to walk up all of these stairs uh, up to uh, our our seats. And I started to limp a little. And I went, oh, sorry, mate, I can't I can't take the stairs. I'll have to get in the lift. And I got in the lift with all uh, with everybody else. So it, was, uh, it did make it a big... That wasn't a limp, mate. You just had your trousers too low again. Yeah, that's true. That's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah, that's last year we and Dan. I know, I know. Honestly, we've got to get him a pair of jeans. If we can start a GoFundMe for Ferg just to get him a proper fitted pair of jeans, please, I'll contribute first. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I'm starting to think that myself because I'm wearing these ones that I've got on at the moment, which are different ones, and they're in uncomfortable. Um, so last year we effectively lost uh, at Saint, um, the top four at St James's Park, and we just weren't mature enough. Uh, when we went into that game, so Sunday was a huge test for us. Uh, uh, if we, um, if we, if we got a draw, guaranteed second place. But to be honest, we're still in this title race, and um, you know we had to win it to stay in that race. Trevor's growling like a a, a contrary old bear. Why why are you growling? <laughs> I, I just you know in defence of our young kids, I, I like to try and put a bit of context on last season's result in Newcastle. Because we were undoubtedly played off the park. We undoubtedly went into our shells. But the, the, the context of the story, how I put it is, and, and how I look at it is that it was the last game of the season at Newcastle. They 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 had 52,000 people in there and 50,000 flags they'd put in. For half an hour before the game, they were stirring the fans up with music, with, with ex-players of theirs on the field, drumming them up. And... You've got to give it credit where it's due, credit where it's due. The, the Newcastle fans, if they're not silenced, and especially last year when it was the last game of the season, are magnificent. They lift their players. And I honestly think that, that I'm not saying it was the deciding factor, but it was a big, big part of why we went into our shells last season's game. And I can put that to bed now, and I can say with a big smile on my face, not this time, not this time. Mm. Magnificent. Going into this game, we talked when we were in the hotel bar about, you know, lineups and possible lineups. We said, do we, you know, drop, um, should we maybe rest? Go on, go on. In the bar, when we were talking in the bar, was that the bar where we were just going to have one pint before the game, Ferg? Is that the <laughs> yeah. one? Yeah. That's the one. That's the one. And, and that's the one that we said we need to eat before we start drinking. And yeah. that's also the bar that we said, Jesus Christ, Moretti's at half eleven. On a Sunday morning, we're going to be ruined even before. We're not even going to see the game. So that that very same bar, Trevor. Yes. Oh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> so we asked about Trossard. Should we start Trossard? Uh, do you start party over Jorginho? Uh, Kivior or Holding? 
is it time to rest Jesus? Is it time to rest Saka? There was a few different questions that were got into there. And the lineups were announced and there was some changes in the lineup. So we had Ramsdale, uh, White, Kivior, Gabriel, Zinchenko, um, Jorginho, Shaka, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Jesus. Alex, uh, what did you make of the lineups? In particular, you, you were a little bit worried about the midfield. Yeah, I think the 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 what I was most surprised about was uh, uh, Jorginho starting over Partey. Um, and of course, we all know how they play Newcastle and how their midfield is. They're very big, very tall, very physical. Um, so just uh, looking at our team with Odegaard, Shaka, and Jorginho, uh, I was just initially a bit a bit worried about how we were going to cope with with their physical approach uh, in the midfield. Uh, of course, looking back at it now, uh, it all went well, and and that, that's the reason why I'm just a fan and and Arteta is the manager because he knows better. Um, but that's that was my initial thought when I saw the lineup that I was a, a bit slightly worried about uh, how we'd cope physically in the midfield with with uh, Jorginho and, and Shaka because they're not the, the quickest and the most dynamic of players but of course they have their forces in other areas of the game but uh, mm. but I was that... I was uh, I was glad to see Kivio start I thought that was the right thing definitely um, and uh, and then you can't really say anything when uh, when Jesus, Saka and Martinelli are starting you, you can start any of the four and you'd be happy to to see that absolutely uh, absolutely. And and Kivior um, uh, had a great performance against Chelsea. Dan, uh, there was a comment in there just a few minutes ago. Is there any surprise the party was dropped? Um, I think it was Dale that put it up um, because he'd been poor over the last few weeks. Were you, were you surprised to see him dropped and were, were you pleased to see him dropped? Very surprised still to see him dropped. I mean, I touched on it last week that I was swaying sort of 70-30 still in Partey's favour. But Partey's so important when he's on song that for me, I was surprised he he dropped him. Um, also, given that he didn't play last year in the away leg, um, I felt like he was going to be someone to come in and I felt like Jorginho would get exposed a bit if he came in with a game that's end-to-end. Whereas, yeah, I think nothing more than I owe him an apology because he had a fantastic game. And um, as, as Alex said, Arteta knows best. Yeah, uh, Trevor, uh, there was a message came from the Arsenal faithful um, and it basically echoes what the two lads said and they said it loud and proud. Uh, uh, no, I, I had a different one. We'll, we'll put that on afterwards. So yeah. go on, Trev. No, I'll go along with the lads on the team selection. I was a bit surprised that he didn't play party. I, I, I was talking on the way up there, weren't I? And I thought that he might put party yeah. out there with a point to prove with his last few weeks' performances. But he played Jorginho and it was a masterstroke, wasn't it? It was a proper masterstroke because it was his, his level-headedness and his control under pressure were fantastic. I mean, make, make no bones about it, right? For the first 10 minutes of the game, Newcastle looked really special. And and they look they look right on it to win it. Both teams had to win it, didn't they? But to have any to get anything out of the game, really, a draw didn't suit either of us. And Newcastle came at us hard and they came at us really hard. And they posted the first in the second minute, didn't they? But we had some level headedness about us. We had a little bit of maturity in the side, which we might have been missing last year. And that maturity saw us through that difficult first 10 or 15 minutes. And after that, we were just, we were purring. We, we, we were sublime. We, we, 
We used every trick in the book, which are not tricks that I like to see, right? I don't like to see the way football's going, but every other team in the league's not going to use them and Arsenal are going to use them and Arsenal ain't. No, 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 no. With everything, Arsenal played for time. They, they played to the referee's whistle. They played the game and it, we won. And I don't care what anybody says. Well, lots of Newcastle fans have been saying, haven't they? About, oh, Arsenal were terrible, this, terrible, that. Well, no, we weren't terrible. We played the modern game as it is, and we were class, absolute mm. class. Danny, as, as Trevor said, it was a, a tricky opening in 10 minutes. Uh, within two minutes, um, uh, Murphy had hit the bar on the third minute, then Is, uh, Iska. Um, he had a shot blocked. Ramsdale kicked into gear uh, uh, pretty quickly. And then there was a penalty, the penalty um, uh, decision. So, uh, give us give us your thoughts on that. And the atmosphere was uh, the atmosphere in the stadium at that point because they were grown into the game. It, it's a noisy stadium. They make a, a, an awful lot of uh, noise um, anyway. But the, the noise building up to that, and when that penalty shout went up, Jesus Christ! It was like a jet engine gone over us. Yeah, in, in all fairness to them, the Newcastle fans, that's probably the best atmosphere I've seen in. The Premier League, I think, of all the grounds we've been to, um, we managed to quieten them, which is, you know, shows how how we've I think matured from last year, but how good we were to be able to quieten the crowd down because that isn't an easy crowd to, to quieten down. Um, and they're always up for it because I think, in, in all fairness, they're, they're good supporters. Um, that penalty, I think, probably changed it for our benefit and not for theirs in the end, given that. Near enough, they had disappointment not getting the penalty when they expected to. Um, and obviously, we went up the other end and sort of 10 minutes later scored a, scored a goal and, and we were a lot more composed then as well. But certainly looking up from where we were, I, I turned to Trev and said, it's never a penalty, never in a million years. And I know we was uh, quite far away, but it just never to me ever looked like a penalty. But the biggest worry for me was, even if it's not a penalty, I didn't have any faith in VAR to overturn it. And I was very surprised that he went to the monitor in the first place and then to to overturn it. Because normally they will find a way to say it's not clear and obvious and we're going to agree with the ref. So in this instance, I think you have to say fair play to, to VAR and the referees. Um, it's done its job and it's worked the way it should. Um, yeah, it's never a handball. Yeah, we've discussed handballs on here a few times and how ridiculous the rule can be at times. And if that hits his thigh before his arm, it's never a penalty. Trevor, I don't know about you, but I couldn't see a thing from up there. It didn't help with the several pints of Moretti and Fosters and et cetera that we had. But um, X-ray eyes down here, he said um, that it wasn't a penalty and it transpires that the ball came off his knee and then hit his arm. So correctly, VAR got it right this time. Um, but it was four or five minutes of a decision. It shouldn't take that long. I even turned around to people and said it shouldn't take that long. It was, in fairness to Dan, Dan called it straight away. Dan and myself, we were stood next to each other and we were right at the front of the stand, right at the front. And I was a bit like you, Fergus. I was like, oh, I can't see that far. What's happened? But Dan knew straight, called it right straight away, in fairness. And it was the correct decision. And what we should be saying is it was, it was the correct decision as VAR always gets it right and we move on and we're happy. But we know for a fact that we just got lucky because on the day VAR was on our side. Next week, it might not be on our side. It's a, it's a complete lottery. Um, but it was on our side. It was a turning point in the game because soon after, 
We all know what happened. And the penalty miss and then us scoring soon after just sat the crowd down. The, the crowd were never the same again after that. And once you quiet that crowd down at Newcastle, if you keep them quiet, you, you know, you, you're halfway home. You are absolutely halfway home. And so many people have told me that the only fans they could hear for the last hour of the game were the Arsenal fans. And that doesn't happen very often at Newcastle. That doesn't happen very Newcastle. It's a, it's a reflection of how well we played and how well we controlled a bloody good Newcastle side, mate. Mm. So, Alex, 14 minutes in, uh, Scandi, uh, like yourself, Odegaard um, takes a shot from well outside the box, um, and it's a, a shot that skips along the along the turf and and goes into the into the, the goal keeper possibly could have done better, but this isn't the first time Odegaard scored scored a goal like that. No, uh, very similar to the goal he scored uh, away against uh, Tottenham, um, where he just blasted from 25, 30 meters out and. I think you can't really fault uh, Pope for this one because it goes through one of the defender's legs right before it comes to the keeper. So um, I don't think you can really fault for the keeper for that one. But yeah, he's just been uh, so good the last couple of games and uh, been like this season. He's really added goals to his to his game, um, and he's up to 15 goals now, which is uh, a crazy amount of goals. Um, he's just been so instrumental for us this season. Uh, not only with his, with his goals, his playmaking, uh, the way he walk, works off the ball as well. He's just grown into to an incredible player and I can't believe we, we got him for 30, 35 million quid. Um, yeah, he's just an amazing player and a, and a really, really good captain for our club as well. Um, Dan, um, what did you make of the goal and what did you make of Odegaard's uh, performance there as well? Yeah, I think similar to you guys, I think it was just a great strike. I don't think you can really blame the keeper in that instance. Um, he has done it before. And yeah, exactly as that, that graphic says, you know, pe people have been criticising Erdegaard in big games. But big players score big goals away from home. And nine goals, three assists away from home. And look at the type of names that he's up there with. He's, he's, he's up there with probably the three of the best five strikers in the league. And... I think his numbers speak for himself. He, he gets overly criticised because he wasn't 80 or 90 million and he wasn't the big money signing everybody wanted to, wanted to see. But for me, I'm, I can't see a bigger bargain in our squad that we thought than, than him. You know, well, I, for, for, for the money that he is as well, because I think it's about 30 million all in um, from Real Madrid from with the loan move and everything else. Uh, we have had some really good buys and Jorginho uh, um, is in, another good one as well. We'll go into his stats in a little bit, but outstanding performance by him. Uh, just a captain through and through. Um, somebody who had another really good uh, performance, Trev, was um, Ramsdale. Uh, I know I've... I've not criticised, but I've questioned could he have done better in a few games uh, towards the latter end of the season with like you know the early um, the poor distribution out to the centre and, and stuff like that, which he'd done against um, Chelsea, and we, we got off with it. But he was outstanding, and it was that uh, in in the Chelsea game, and there was also the the, the one from former Arsenal player uh, Joe Willock uh, on the twenty eighth minute. Look, if if you look at every goalkeeper in the Premier League across the course of the season, um, I would imagine, well, I, I'm pretty certain, I've not looked at it, but I'll be pretty certain that Ramsdale would have one of the very fewest error counts of them all. 
goalkeeper by its nature, goalkeepers make mistakes that are really noticed, really noticed. Um, and they all make them. And it's how they how they perform after they've made a mistake that matters. And for me, Ramsdale has just steadily, just steadily shown all season what a great asset he is to our side. And don't forget, it's not just about, we said this when we used to have um, Peter Cech, who wasn't so good with his feet. And then prior to him, the goalkeepers we had. A good cold goalkeeper doesn't just save things. He he gives confidence to the players playing in front of him. He he lets them what make want to pass the ball short and play from the back because they know they've got that extra pair of feet behind them. And and Ramsdale does, does all of those things. I, I'm so happy with a lad. I'm happy with the side, but I'm really happy with um with Ramsdale this season. I, I just love him. He's just a top top player. Do you feel Trev like? Ramsdale's performances the last couple of games have improved and he's a lot calmer since he's got someone else in front of him that he, I think, quite clearly trusts to distribute the ball to in Kivior over Rob Holding. Oh, do you know what, Dan? He's exactly right, mate, because I wanted to get in as well and you've led me into it nicely in that saying that the, that the goalkeeper, that the, the defence has got to be confident with the goalkeeper, right? In fairness to our goalkeepers that have gone past, the goalkeeper has also got to be competent with his confident with his defenders, right? And if you've got Arsene or Unai Emery or Arteta saying to a goalkeeper, you've got to play the ball short and play from the back, and you've got some of the defenders we've had in front of you, right? It's going to worry you greatly. So it works both ways. And there's a happy medium, and a happy medium is having a goalkeeper that's good with his feet and a defence that are good with their feet. And the goalkeeper's confident and the defence is confident. And then you get performances like we had against Newcastle because it all levels itself out. Well, that's my mm. way, mate. Alex, getting at halftime, we're, we're 1-0 up. Um, I can't say, I've, I've written down there a little disappointing. And the only reason I said a little disappointing is chances for Odegaard, Martinelli, Saka, all in the first half. Um, and we could have finished the game earlier. And I think it would have been a little bit more comfortable going in, at, clearly, a little bit more comfortable going in at, 2-0, because I was worried that they regroup and come at us and then the crowd go. And what were your thoughts at halftime? Yeah, I think I felt a bit bit the same way, um, only because we'd, we'd missed so many big opportunities, especially the the one of the, the last ones uh, Odegaard had right before halftime. Um, so yeah, just a, a little bit disappointed, but also because uh, I'd seen how many chances Newcastle had uh, during the first half. Uh, and we have to say they were a bit unlucky not to score in the first half. Um, with with a bit more luck, they, they, it could have fit the inside of the post. Um, and I know you can put it down to luck, you can put it down to poor finishing, whatever. Um, but they they might as well have had a goal as well. So I was a bit disappointed that we didn't kill off the game uh, with uh, Martinelli. He had his uh, run through on goal, could have scored. And then Sakura as well, he had a uh, good run. And then, of course... Odegaard with the last chance, so I, I don't know if I was disappointed, but I was I was more worried that that they'd get back into the yeah. game, and that way, yeah, yeah, uh, um, uh, yep. I'm sorry, mate, to butt him up. Just before we move on from Odegaard and the midfield, Dan's just brought my attention to it. There's a question here from Heath, mate, that 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 you might want to talk. It's it's, it's an interesting question to say the very least, mate. 
Go on. Yeah. So, what, what's your thoughts on um, it? Um, not having not having party to play. Did, does this allow Odegaard to have uh, the game he did? I mean, if, if I can jump in on that one, I think Jorginho definitely helped Odegaard. I think firstly the the early goal helped him, and the early goal helped the team. I think centrally we were very very good in that game, but that goal, you know, there was a few stats that we brought up before um, before coming on and. The first 13 minutes, we had 76% passing accuracy. As soon as we scored the goal, the next 15 minutes after, we went up to 96% passing accuracy. So the goal, I think, definitely calmed us down, composed us, and I think gave us some confidence. But Jorginho's role, when he's on the ball, is to be breaking lines and feeding players like Erdegaard, like Saka, like Martinelli. So when you've got a player having a good performance like Jorginho is, and who is more experienced and calm in those situations, you can play the right ball and allow Erdegaard to get in the half spaces and then play his game. So definitely, definitely helps by having a player in that role on the ball. I think whether this is Partey or Jorginho, I think look, lately partly, Partey has been a little bit off the ball. Um, but when he plays and he's playing through his full potential, I think he's no different, if not better, than Jorginho at that, at feeding Erdegaard. Alex? Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, it helped that uh, that Jorginho was having a good game uh, and I agree with uh, Dan saying that Partey might as well have had as good of a game and helped him in that way. So I wouldn't say that it was Jorginho playing instead of Partey but just more putting it down to Jorginho having a, a brilliant game and uh, that way helping Odegaard. Uh, if, while we're on about Jorginho, Jorginho's stats are just uh, unreal. He was uh, uh, he made sixty eight touches first in in the team, uh, one assist, uh, forty two successful passes, twenty seven received from the back line, um, uh, possession one eight times, and clearances three. His stats were the best stats on the pitch. But not only are his stats the best on the pitch, you can also see. see his age, maturity, and leadership, Trev. He was talking to those players, those young players who are maturing and getting better. That, that's got to be key. And we saw with Zinchenko and Jesus what they've added to the squad. But having Trossard to a certain degree, but definitely Jorginho, must have made a huge difference to that to that backroom squad. Yeah, I've, I've said that I, I don't care how experienced you are or how long you've been playing a game of football. If you have a transfer... It takes time to settle in, takes time to get into the systems, not just the systems on the field, the training systems down at London Colney and, and how things work. And I had it in my head that um, Jorginho left Chelsea behind on, on the weekend and, and developed into the Arsenal player that we that we want him to be. I really thought he was that good. He, he was, he, he, we said already he was level-headed and he calmed the side down and he was that little bit of experience that you need on big days like that. Because make no mistake, right, we've, we're playing against a very, very good Newcastle side. We weren't playing against an average team like Tottenham who go up there and go 5-0 down or, you know, or, or, or a little club like that. We were playing a side like Newcastle. We were very, very good. And to be honest with you, at halftime, I had it in my head, yeah, we could have been two or three more up. But if you look at it, we could have been two or three one down. Both the goalkeepers played superbly, you know, both ends. And um, the crossbars. Yeah, exactly. And and so Newcastle with the woodwork twice. We hit it once. I know that we hit it in the second half, but that's the totals from. But at the end of the day, I would when I thought about it, I thought, do you know what? Having watched that first half, I, I had my second half time, so I was having my second point. <laughs> 
half time. And I thought, do you know what? After watching that first half, I'll take one nil at half time. I'd liked it to have been more. I would love it to have been more. It could have been more. But looking at the game, the bigger picture, and the way the game was chewing and throwing, one nil it did me. I was happy with that. Dan? Just um, something I was going to ask there. I don't know if you could bring up the um, stats again, please, Ferg. Before I give you my thought, what for you guys stands out on those stats the most? For me, I was just thinking about it as well. But for me, we, we talked about how well his passing was. But for me, it's the possession one because that's not what we... Th when we think about Jorginho, we don't think about uh, a player that wins a lot of possession. But that he did that so well as well uh, against Newcastle. So that it surprises me that to see like he was the the, the player who won possession the most uh, in that game. Yeah, I mean I that, that, was, that was exactly going to be my point. In all fairness, that that's the main thing that you don't expect from Jorginho, right? I mean, you know he's going to get on the ball, you know he's going to make successful passes, you know he's going to drop into the hole and receive from the back line. But winning the ball as much as he does, and and you know his interceptions, that's something that you get from that role, but not. Jorginho was a type of player and um yeah just just surprised me I think that that showed his all-round game and how good he was as opposed to just how good he was on the ball and I think that goes for the whole team in all fairness for that midfield three in that game Xhaka I thought you know and we're going to touch on it later but he was very he was aggressive but in the right way as was Erdegaard with his pressing and and um Jesus as well and you know, to answer the question was we disappointed I was disappointed a little bit that Saka and Martin Eddie didn't take their chances but I'm quite pleased that I think those two had, for me, not the best game and the rest of the team stepped up for once because normally it's those two that are the the difference makers. And um, when they go a bit quiet and don't take the chances, we don't often do as well. But the rest of the team sort of stepped <coughs> up. I just put up on there, smash the like button, please, people. And if you are watching uh, on YouTube, hit the subscribe. If you're listening on audio, please go over to YouTube and just click on subscribe. We're nearly getting to that magic 1000 figure. Uh, we're into the second half, um, 48 minutes in. Murphy was play playing really well today. Um, and uh, he's getting in behind Zinchenko. Zinchenko had an iffy game. He lost a little bit of possession at that point. And um, uh, again, if it wasn't for a good save by uh, Ramsdale, uh, we could have come to an early goal into the second half. Um, Trevor, what did you make of Zinchenko's performance? We know he gets substituted in about at the 60th minute, but we haven't even got to that point yet. But um, what did you make of his performance in the first half and up onto there? I I didn't. I didn't really have a problem with Zinchenko's performance. To be honest, we played. He played the game. We know that he's going to play, and he played the game that that he's obviously been told to play. You know, get eye up the field and 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 make these moves forward. I, I liked the fact that uh, Kivior was in there as well. Don't forget, we we had. It was interesting. We had two left-footed centre-halves in, so they can both go that way and cover for Zinchenko. It's not often you get two left-footed centre-halves in a side, but Kivior and Gabriel were there and they were back. And just you don't have to put them back up, Ferg, but it's really interesting because with those, with Jorginho's statistics there, I, I was most impressed with the fact that he had 60-odd touches of the ball, which was the most by any player in our side, right? 68 touches of the ball most of any player on our side. And 
when you think about that, when you think about what Xhaka and Party have done most of the season, they've won the ball or, 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 or took the ball forward and then laid it off to one of our front four and said, you get on with it, you know. You wouldn't expect under them circumstances for Jorginho to have the most touches of the ball. You'd think he'd get the ball and give it and, and, and play his defensive midfield role. But he had all them touches. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure how it worked out like that. I don't know. But what he's telling me is that he was more involved than than party normally is. He was covering more, maybe, and and he wasn't spreading the ball quite so quickly. Maybe he was holding it a bit and waiting and giving a pass and taking a pass and then spreading it. So it's interesting that he had that many touches. Um, I don't know why, but I wouldn't have expected him to have the most touches of all the all the Arsenal players on the field in that type of game. Would you? I mean, no. I think I think to be fair, he has more touches of the ball in that role because. With a Rob Holding, he doesn't come out of the ball very much. And when he does, he plays the long curve ball into the corner to try and relieve pressure. And then the ball comes back again. So we're not actually playing through midfield and through the centre-halves as much. Whereas Kibior is a little bit more confident, I think, to step up. And when he steps up, Jorginho position to show for the ball and to sort of drop into the holes. He's there to receive the ball and move the ball about. So I think that's a, it's a combination of Kibior coming in but also, I think his experience to say, even under pressure, we're going to keep continuing to move the ball around and I'm going to drop into the holes and, and receive the ball. It was, it was an option all day long. Hmm. Boys, I saw a question in the comments uh, from Russ, and I think it's a really uh, valid question to ask. Do you think Arteta is regretting not not uh, putting Kivior in sooner in, uh, in the Premier League games, specifically the the ones before? I, th- I think he tried him out a little because it, as... as- uh, Trevor said, when you come into a, a new side and you're learning and you, you, you're getting used to um, playing with the players and, and the techniques and everything else, um, he uh, did have a couple of runs in the Europa League uh, and his very first appearance, you know, the Twitter sphere absolutely ruined him. And I think probably why he didn't get a run out sooner is probably because Edu. Uh, uh, sorry, Ateta came along and just said, you know, um, shielded him a bit and said, put his arm around him, say, be all right, come on, let's go through that again at the training ground. And then when, I think he probably, Holding probably wouldn't have got a look in if he had done better in the Europa League games. Um, I think he would have been in sooner uh, over over Saliba. But I, uh, we went with Holding and then we realised that we had to, you know, for the Chelsea yeah. game, put him in there. That's what I think. I don't know if anybody thinks differently. I, th- I think it's completely fair that he didn't play him, but it does make you wonder, like, oh, what would have happened? Uh, how would, would we have done in, in those games if, if we would have played instead of uh, holding? We could, we could have ruined the guy. We could have actually ruined the guy. 50 minutes yeah. in, um, Shah uh, picks out... Um, uh, uh, is picked out from a set piece, uh, and then there's connection towards the goal and the straight out Ramsdale, and he he saves saves it. Not not a difficult save, but it was one of his easier saves to make. But then we get to this point here at 58 minutes, and um, I think it's Willock is uh, charging down, charging down the midfield as as I said about Thomas, and uh, the, the 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 amount of um, uh, pitch that. Granite Shaka covers to come back, and then the tackle itself was outstanding. I it's at the complete opposite end of the, the the stadium to us, and I was just screaming, "How what an amazing uh, uh, tackle!" Let's have a quick look at it, and Dan, you talk to me. Go on, Dan. 
I think it's not just um, it's not just this tackle, right? I think he was um, he was he was up for it the whole game. But I even noticed that the second half, the the second half became a lot more competitive and a lot more aggressive from both sides. And from the forty eighth minute onwards, there was a, like a three or four minute period where Jacker was just in everyone's face. There was there was Callum Wilson, I think. Um, there was also, I think it was Shower as well that that got in his face and. Jacker was just there it, up for the fight. But again, I think he, he was he was up for the fight in the right way and not in how we saw him at the start of his Arsenal career. But that sort of leading on from the Rob Holding part, I think that's still testament to Arteta for trusting him. And I think the reason why Arteta played Holding was because he trusts him. And I think Arteta tends to trust players until they let him down. And there's no way at the moment that, that Jacker's letting us down in any way, shape or form. And I think the people saying about should we be selling him at the end of the season and should we be looking at moving him on? I, I do agree we need long-term and upgrade, but there's absolutely no way you let someone like that go that is just a leader on the pitch and shows in instances like that that the determination to get back and cover that amount of ground is phenomenal. That, that And, you know, that's our, that's our eight as such that's pressing high up the pitch and then coming back and just diving straight into a tackle. But... Composed as well, I thought. I didn't think he was out of control at any point of that tackle. No, I don't. I didn't think so. so Trevor, important. so important that point. That it is so so important that you look at that tackle from Jacka, and you think to yourself, "What a great tackle!" But I'm telling you for nothing. If Jacka makes that tackle 18 months ago, right, with his reputation. And with his with his loose headed, and 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 free tackling game, if ta- if Xhaka makes that tackle eighteen months ago, quite possibly a penalty because the referee's thinking Granite Xhaka. That's what he does, and that's the way our officials are, aren't they? We, we we can't trust our officials to see a game as it's played. They, they get stuff in their head, I reckon. So fast forward into that tackle. It was a brilliant bit of covering. It was a brilliant run back. It was a great tackle. And it was a great tackle, not just because of what he did with the tackle, but how he's conducted himself all season. He's not in referees' heads anymore. They're not worried about him. And that makes them see him in a different light. It's so key. Mm. I'm sure it's key to that. It's key to that. And I want us to... So, I'm, I'm not going to dwell on this. Don't worry. Don't worry, Ferg. I want us to... Cassiedo, is it? I want us to sign Cassiedo. I wanted to sign Rice, but I had a bit of a ding-dong with Ferg on Twitter last night and a couple of other lads. I know we've got to improve, sign players. I know we've got to look to improve another step to get up with Manchester City. But when you're signing them players, you've still got to keep the, the, the players that can come in and, and work and work just as well or that can come in and give you a different aspect. And trust me, I think Granite Jacket is key to our game now. And it's key to our game going forward. I'd be gutted if we lost. So, so a question for you then, Trev. If if we've got currently got Granite Shaka, we've got um, uh, Party. If we get Rice and Caicedo, uh, uh, um, and then you've also got Jorginho, plus you've got El Neni, who's running out. I think he's running out of contract, uh, and you've got Vieira almost as well. Yes, we want to build some depth in the squad, but there's too many, too many people going there. Who would you, if I had to give you a choice to keep uh, two off party, 
Shaka and Jorginho. So you've got to get rid of one of them or two of them to accommodate for Casado and uh, Rice. For me, if I had to choose between Xhaka and Party, Party would go. Right? Party would go. And we don't have to get rid of Jorginho as well because you just mentioned him. El Nene, Vieira can both be removed from the from the wages list without having a massive impact on our side. Right? So if you sign these two players, and it's a massive if, if you sign Cassiedo and Rice, and then you've got G, Jorginho and Zaka, you're pretty well on the way to having a, a first 11 and a second 11 defensive midfield that could both play. They're not far off each other, all of them. You've got you've been you've been telling me this, boys, all, all season, that we need to strengthen our midfield, right? Have have squad depth, strengthen our midfield, be able to bring bring in players and make a seamless change. Well, if, if you want to be able to do that, you can't get rid of Granite Xhaka. You may well say to him, look, here's a new contract, Granite Xhaka, but you ain't gonna be playing so much. You're gonna be an yeah. FA Cup, League Cup and a player if we need you. But you don't get you don't out him. You don't out him. You get rid of El Nenny and you get rid of Vieira and then you look at Party and Xhaka out of them too. And for me, Party goes. Yeah, I think I think I think you're probably right in the sense that uh, the the leadership that um, that Guana Shaka gives us, and we mentioned earlier about Jorginho gives that leadership, and uh, I don't think Party offers that as much. Plus, as well as I I worry a little bit about Party's fitness. Alex, what's your thoughts on that? And and go on from there. Yeah, I think for me the only the only way Shaka leaves the club is if he goes to Arteta and says, "Look, I'd really like to go back to Germany and play there." Uh, I've seen him being linked to, to Leverkusen, so I think for me that's the only way he leaves. That's if he goes to Arteta and says, "I'd really like to uh, start a new chapter in in my career and and go back to to Germany." Otherwise, I'd I'd do a lot of things to keep him at our club because um, yeah, he's just. He's just uh, amazing for us right now with his leadership. And I think it's important going into next season that we still keep some of those uh, figures at our club who has experience and who's been there for a long time at our club. Ferg, mm. before you go to Dan, there's a really interesting question coming from Reese. I'm going to stick it up now. And what? we've forgotten all about this. We've not even mentioned him. So look, Dan, what do you reckon? We've not even mentioned the lad. He's not an eight. And he's not a 10. And I've mentioned this a few times. He doesn't play centrally for me. He's not good enough centrally. And he isn't that type of player. He isn't the type of player that plays on the half turn. He isn't the type of player that receives balls in tight spaces and can play one-twos. He is the type of player that receives the ball in space to run into and stretches the defence. And he does that best from the left wing position. And for me, he doesn't ever get in that left wing position over Martinelli, which I think is the reason why he's struggling. And I think the reason why he's struggling for game time, apart from his injuries, is I think Arteta knows he isn't good enough centrally. When he first broke into the team, he was a very different player and he came into that role and did well because of his pressing and the difference that he brought to the side. But ultimately, quality-wise, he isn't that player for us. Um, for me, anyway. I, I certainly wouldn't. But another one we're forgetting about is Lukonga. And the only reason we let Lukonga go out on loan was because he was out of both cup competitions. So when you're talking about selling potentially a midfielder, I agree El Nenny will go, but I think Lukonga could be the one that either goes out on loan and gets sold. Because ultimately it will be, I think, Partey with Caicedo as his backup, Jacker with Rice that could interchange, and ultimately I think long-term Rice would come into that position and be a starter. And then Erdegaard with a backup 
whether it's Vieira or someone else. So they're not the ones that I think we get rid of. And I think I agree with with both of you that we absolutely don't sell Granit Xhaka, but I do agree long-term we need an upgrade. Mm. Listen, Listen, as you said earlier, because we're going to overrun on this game and it's good that we're talking about other things, not just the game itself, but I want to get into the Brighton game as well. Um, 66 minutes in, well, first of all, Zinchenko. Alex, you can come and talk to me about Zinchenko. He got substituted with Kieran Tierney. uh, And then it got, as uh, Dan said, it got really, really fiery. Uh, and there was uh, a tackle on Jesus that surely there's an argument to say VAR should have picked this up and possibly even awarded a red card. Have a look and talk over it. Yeah, I mean, at some points uh, in the game, uh, in the first half as well, it did get quite uh, heated between the players. And I mean, going into the break, there was three, four uh, different arguments going on on the pitch. So um, it it was a difficult uh match to control uh, I can imagine and I think it's just a testament that shows how far we've come in uh, controlling our emotions in these games Um, I can quite easily see us uh, playing this game two three years ago uh, in the early stages under Arteta and 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 grabbing ourselves a red card uh, because we we might have lost the control of our emotions so I think the boys did really well in in um, Playing Newcastle at their own game, uh, and and sort of still keeping uh, our heads level and and controlling our emotions, um, and yeah, that uh, that specific instance that might as well have been a red card. Um, for me, there's no intention to tackle or get the ball. It's just uh, pure frustration from from Shah, um, and yeah, he quite clearly um, hits him on, on the chin with his. Uh, with his uh, um, shoulder. Uh, I'll get the video back up again because uh, maybe we pa- try and pause it and you can see see the the, the, the thing on there. Dan, what, what was your thoughts on on um, this file? Let me just get it back in because I deleted it. I mean, I don't even know if VAR even looked at that, in all fairness. From watching it back, it certainly didn't look, look like there was a big VAR stoppage. But for me, he's gone in there with one intention and that is to leave one on him. And he's he's overly aggressive in the way he, he takes out Jesus. And I think as much as he doesn't swing his elbow, he leaves it in there to make contact with him. And I think, for me, that's a red card. That, that's like how it was 15, 20 years ago when players would just go in for a tackle and leave, leave one on, on the player. And, yeah, look, years ago, it wouldn't even be a foul. But I think that's that's... A slyer part of a game that experienced players have tried to leave on him, and I think, yeah, I think for me that's a red card. Trevor, what's your view on this one? Yeah, I, I, I can't believe that it wasn't VAR and red carded. I didn't see it live at the time, but but the more I've watched it back, Ferg, the more I thought, oh, that's a nasty one. We're an hour into the game there, though, and Newcastle are starting to get frustrated. Newcastle are getting frustrated because they're trying to bully Arsenal a bit. They've forgotten that we're not the team they played last season or the season before. We're Arteta's Arsenal. We're a developing Arsenal. We're an Arsenal that are coming of age. We're an Arsenal that are, that are playing Jorginho's when we need to, to give us that bit of strength. And Newcastle were getting more and more wound up. And the more the game went on, the more frustrated they got. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see something like that happen. But we're expecting referees to see that and VAR people to see that all day long for me. All day long, that's a 
that's a nasty bit of work. Yeah, well, Needed it needed a, the, the the correct punishment for me it would have been a red card. Mm. Um, seventy one minutes in, uh, Jesus makes a, 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 a the bionic run is the, the what was written down here bionic run uh, down down and releases Martinelli down the left. Um, he puts a, a ball in low and 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 in front of the post uh, to the keeper, and it gives um, Shah really no other option to instinctively. Um, Kick, uh, kick the ball, and he kicks it straight past Pope, and it's two 0 There was a reaction in the TV studios. Yes, come on, <laughs> come on, Ansel! Yes, with your right team, it's not done. It's not done. <laughs> yes, yes, come on. <laughs> Yes! Look at our This is a top performance! Honestly, that is that is priceless. And he watches football like we all watch football. It, it, to, to watch Ian Wright and to see him in his car the day after we win the FA Cup or the day after we beat Tottenham and, and just watch his little clips on, on TikTok and on Twitter. It's just priceless. And I can imagine as well, Zinni, uh, when he retires, doing the exact same thing. Um, what did you uh, make of the goal then, uh, Alex? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was important and, uh, and, and we needed it as well to, to uh, close off the game. And I think that goal really um, put the final nail in the coffin. Uh, I think that stopped the fans from believing they could get back into the game. Um, and yeah, I think I actually think Martinelli had a good game, to be fair. Um, he came quite close to scoring uh, another one as well, where he hit the, the crossbar. Um, and I think they had difficulties containing him on, on, on that uh on that left side. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, yeah, it, it's, he's just having a great season, uh, Martinelli, and he just keeps getting better and better. Uh, Trevor, the atmosphere within the stadium, then, as you said earlier, and Dan has also said earlier, the atmosphere was just, uh, you know, tremendous. Um, the, the Arsenal fans, they, they quietened 50,000 uh, Newcastle fans. And, we, I, I played this at the beginning in, in error a little bit, but the LA LA song just went out so loud. And watching it back on telly, you can just hear this so, so loud. I tell you what's really funny. See this guy right at the front here with the sunglasses and the pink shirt. Just watch him at the very beginning. Poor fella, he, he hasn't got a clue what the words are. Like, watch. He's looking at his phone. Uh, oh, what is it? It could have been Sven. My it name. could have been Sven. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, at the, uh, the Villa game last year. Trev, uh, outstanding atmosphere. It was great, wasn't it? That goal. Firstly, I... I didn't see it right at first. I thought that Pope had fumbled it into the net. I didn't see it come off their defender. But do you know what? I did not give a damn. It was just 
in in that two or three seconds of that goal going in, that corner of the Leasy stand where they stick the away fans absolutely erupted, and it was the best atmosphere I've seen at an away game for a long, 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 long time. Every single Arsenal fan there was singing and chanting and just over the moon. To, yeah, there he is. Nice trim, folk. <laughs> atmospheres like that, right? Atmospheres like that are not created overnight. They're created because you've got a team that you've followed all season and you know that are going to play for the badge on the shirt and you're, you're just waiting for that moment to release it all. There's still one or two Arsenal fans that won't cheer Granite Xhaka or uh, won't clap certain things, and the, the, but they're, they're a tiny, tiny minority now. We're all we're all up there, and that was just it was complete and utter mayhem when that goal went in. It was relief because we got a two goal lead. It was relief because Newcastle had been dirty, 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 and we needed that second goal, and. It was relief because we needed to win to keep the pressure on Man City. I'm not full of expectation about what's going to happen in the league this year. But that win and the way our players are playing keeps me full of hope, right? And that's all I want. I still hope we can win it. Hope, hope, hope we can win it. And who knows, right? But that second goal, that atmosphere, those fans, Dan, we've seen Fergus, but... You and me, mate. We had the. I hope there's no pictures of that big man cuddle we had, mate, because it was. It went on. I don't know how you didn't. I don't know how you didn't fall off that balcony when that went in. (laughs) Well, uh, me and me and Trev held each other up, so it was all right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) we just had the the most manly of manliest embraces, didn't we, Trev? We uh, certainly. Yes, we did, Dan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, Listen, listen, Dan. You like a manly hug as uh, at the football all the time, so we know that. Well, I've normally got you next to me, so um, you do. It was it was nice to have a, a slimmer a slimmer man next to me today. I was going to say one thing though, Ferg. You know, um, you know the the phrase a picture says a thousand words. Yeah, you can you can see you can see righty celebrating and what he means to him, and you know every every single fan in that place. There was two thousand righties, and yourself included, and even looking at that picture of you i can just see you getting all the names wrong saying the words wrong but loving it just like we normally do at block five and block six and it's exactly as it should be as a as a fan and it's quite nice to get that back at our club and you know i don't like saying at the start of the season we would have loved this this and whatever but one thing i would have said at the start of the season is i want the fans back as they were years ago and and, and they are and the only way we are going to win something this year is if the fans continue believing like that yeah, no, I agree. I do agree. Listen, it was finally a clean sheet without Saliba. Uh, it was mentioned earlier, uh, I think it was Gary in the chat said that um, uh, Ramsdale's got the best away record um, of clean sheets. Um, for, uh, he needs now to work on his home record because we've got 10 out of 13 clean sheets are away from home. Uh, and then we go from there. Um, real, real. That's right. It's all right. I'm 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 quite immune to it now because uh, for four hours in the car with you humming along different songs out of tune, uh, all the way up from flipping Grantham to to Newcastle, going oh, forever, hooligans. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just unreal. <laughs> it's unreal, honestly. Listen, Sunday's a huge day for football. Um, it, no, actually, before we finish on that, just to finish up, uh, comments on what Eddie Howe has to say. There was a lot of shithousery that went on to the, in, into uh, the game. I read an article in the Telegraph today that said that the uh, game was played for 51 minutes, 17 minutes of uh, time-wasting by the Arsenal. Um, Eddie Howe has a very short memory. He can't remember exactly what happened at um, the Emirates Stadium when his keeper was taken 36.3 seconds. We had a stat. They've got the longest goal kicks, uh, restarts um, ever. Let's have a quick listen to Eddie Howe. To take our chances and, and possibly defend better than we did today. Uh, they managed the game well from their perspective. They slowed it down. Um, lots of breaks in play, frustrating for us. Naturally, we wanted the ball in play more, especially when you're chasing the game. But we have to look at what we can control. We can't control that. That's the referee's job. What we can control is our ability to take our chances and, and possibly defend better than we did today. Trevor? Oh, yeah. Look, all I'll do, I'll refer Mr Howe back to... Um, I think it was the 3rd of January 2023 when Newcastle came to Arsenal and parked the bus, didn't want to play the game, time wasted every minute they could and came for the draw. Well, there's levels. And we went to Newcastle and we played the game as we should have done. We took time when we needed to. We, we took advantage of every rule in the book, but we didn't go for the draw. We did it because we were winning. There's levels. We won. They're gutted. That's it. All over. Goodbye, Mr. I rate Mr. Howell as a manager. I think he's done wonderful things at, at Newcastle, but don't be talking like that, Mr. Howell, when when you've been ten times worse earlier in the season. It shouldn't be happening. Should should we be saying something like What you talking shit for? <laughs> to Eddie Howe. <laughs> Alex, what do you think? We should, we should we send send that to Alex? Uh, Eddie, he, yeah, Eddie he, the stat shows here he's clearly talking shit. They're they're the worst ones in the league, and and then he's being salty of <laughs> of Alex, us. Uh, Alex, please don't start swearing because we know what can happen sorry, when you mate. The bad yeah, when you start, yeah, the Vikings are yeah, coming. <laughs> it gets really bad when I get when I get started. <laughs> no, but yeah, I think it's just being salty, and then. He he sought to because they got played at their own game, and as Trev said, the I think the important difference is that we we uh, managed the game well when we were in ahead uh, in the game, and they did it when when it was a draw. So yeah, there's levels to it, as as Trev said. Karma is um, a wonderful thing, isn't it? And uh, I think yeah. I agree with Trev that I like it anyhow. But uh, go away, son, go lick your wounds because uh, you taught us exactly how to do it few months ago so thank you very much for the lesson they did indeed um a huge sun a huge sunday of football uh, we're meeting in the pub um with a few friends to watch at least the first half of the um oh yeah and you're coming oh, bring bring money because trevor never does um so uh <laughs> get, i'll get money for your two pints trev thank yeah. you Alex. um we, we've got the uh, Everton City game, uh, the first half of that, and then probably get into the stadium for the second half. And then we take on Brighton after, you know, ha are, are they, do you think Brighton, are, are they going to be, you know, a wounded lion or are they happy 
and settling for Europa League because the Champions League is probably out the window for them now. What do you reckon, Dan? Brian's got one of those records this year where they are very up and down and they win a game and they lose a game and then they win a game and lose a game. So they, they are a side that always looks to bounce back. I think they're a very good side. Ultimately, the one area they struggle with is scoring goals and they create an awful lot of chances but don't convert as many. So we're in for a tough game. We always are in for a tough game when we play them and we've seen that and, and got taught a bit of a lesson a couple of times at home against them. So we've got no excuse for complacency. We know exactly what they're going to bring to us. And they are a team that is fighting not just for Europa, but to try and get fifth and even squeeze maybe a fourth place if things go in their favour. So they have got a lot to play for. But we're at home. We're improving our form. And I think as long as we defend properly and don't give away sloppy mistakes, we are much the better side and I think we'll beat them. Um, but we just need to not make mistakes against them because if we give them a goal, their confidence will fly. Alex, your thoughts on, on uh, Brighton? Uh, will they be coming uh, to, to rectify the shocking results that they had at, um, uh, at, at home to Everton? Yeah, I've definitely there there will be so uh we have to play to our be very best uh as Dan said when they when they get a goal and when they get going they're a a fantastic team and they've been one of the teams I've been enjoying uh, watching this season they play beautiful football um and we've we've had trouble beating beating Brighton at Emirates uh, this is the third game uh I'm I'm going to uh where Brighton is playing at the Emirates in the last four years, and I've I've not seen Arsenal win yet. So uh, hopefully, you're not coming. Hopefully, it's going to turn this time. Third time lucky. Fergus, yeah, don't give him that ticket. No, I don't. <laughs> I've got him here. I'll bring him back to John to, on, on uh, tomorrow. I'll bring him around to his house tomorrow. Uh, and the uh, airport is uh, cancelled. There's a strike on over here, so I just try and get a refund through insurance. Hotel is closed. And Hotel's closed. <laughs> uh, Trev, what's your thoughts on the game? Um, and what do we do with the lineups? Do we start Trossard against them um, just to change up a bit more? Uh, do we give Saka a little bit of a rest? Because he didn't, the last few games, he's looked a little bit um, more on the tired and jaded side. He's been played a lot. And maybe he'd be a great impact player to bring in off the bench. What's your thoughts? I think that. We've said that Alex has rightly said that Brighton have done well at the Arsenal in previous seasons, but we've already said it on this show so many times. This isn't the Arsenal of previous seasons. This is a different Arsenal. This is an Arsenal that, if they play to their best, will beat Brighton and beat them comfortably at the weekend. And I hope that's the case. Um, as for the selection, Ferg, I've said it before and I'll say it again, and I'm not going to choose now. I'm just going to say. For me, any three from the front four, and I won't be disappointed. I won't be disappointed. Any three from that four. I'm happy and, 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 and I'm impressed with every one of them. I do have a bit of a, a, bit of a, a, a soft spot for Saka. And I think that a Saka that hasn't been played so well, for me, is still worth his place in our football team. You, you watched him at Newcastle and... and um, all right, he didn't have so much of the ball, he didn't do so much. But the reason he didn't have so much of the ball and do so much is that he had two players marking him a lot of the time. 
And while he's got two players marketing, there's a space somewhere else on the field, you know? So it, for me, I would keep Saka in, in, the, in the team and play any two of the other three and not a problem at all. But yeah, I know Brighton, just, going back to Brighton, I know Brighton has just got beaten. I know they've been playing well this year, but remember this ain't the Arsenal team of previous years. This is an Arsenal team that will be prepared by Mikel Arteta for the game that's coming. And if we don't give a goal away in the first 30 seconds, like we've been prone to do recently, if we start properly, then oh, we won't lose to Brian. We won't lose to Brian. Um, what do you do with the lineups? Any Anybody do anything else? Uh, I'm getting a lot of different people talking about the animals and the wounded lions. Okay, seagull with one leg then or whatever. You know, it does it matter. It's just an analogy. A wounded lion is a very dangerous animal indeed. Any animal who's wounded are generally very dangerous. But if they're a lion with big claws and big teeth, they're far more dangerous than, a, than an angry seagull, don't you think? Alex? Seagulls are just annoying, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Ferg, this is interesting. What do you reckon, Ferg? Oh, please no. Oh, please no. I Heath. don't know what John Malone will say if you play Eddie. I'm glad Heath, he's going Heath, to the we game. Love you. You're a great friend of the show, mate. And uh, you, you normally talk a lot of sense. And with the greatest respect to Eddie, I've said it before, I love the lad. I love his effort levels. When he came on against Newcastle, he was feisty for them last few minutes. And he stood up to Newcastle, got in their faces. But at the moment... Eddie don't get in that front three in front of any of the other four that are there, mate, I'm afraid. The problem is I don't think I don't think any of them are droppable at the moment in that team. You know, that's the first clean sheet we've had since Saliba got injured. So the back five, for me, don't change. And they're not going to change. Jorginho was so good, do, he can't be do, dropped. Do you start do you start Zinni or do you start KT? No, I think I think it's still I don't agree that, that Zinchenko was that bad, really. I think just you do have to praise um, Arteta to making the sub a lot earlier really? than he has been. Yeah. And one thing we've really? been saying lately is he left it too late. But Zinchenko is still massively, massively key to that side in the way we set up tactically, in the way we progress the ball and getting on top. And ultimately, when we get a goal or two up, that is probably the moment to, to bring on KT. But that back five... As I said, first clean sheet since Saliba got injured. I think you don't change it. Jorginho undroppable after the last performance, as was Xhaka and Erdegaard. And then we are just talking about the front three. And even an off-song Saka, for me, is undroppable. If he's fit, he starts. He's that good. I think Martinelli as well has been fantastic. I don't see that you can drop him. And we've had this sort of same conversation before about maybe Jesus or Trossard. I just feel like maybe Trossard playing against his old club, a little added motivation to to give the, the manager a little bit of a kick in the teeth um, because of his fallout might just spur him on a little bit. So maybe Trossard just gets to start up top. OK, let's do uh, score predictions. <laughs> Thank you, Fergus Attenborough. <laughs> See, I'm far more intelligent than you think. Educated me. Um, uh, <laughs> Trevor, what are you going for predictions on this on this game? Right. I'm going to stick my neck right on the line, Ferg. And I'm going for, right? I'm going for 5-0. Okay. Dan? Well, I thought you was all going to call me crazy. Um, I don't know if we'll get five. I think 4-1. Okay. Alex? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Dan in, in that we're not going to get a clean sheet because we, we rarely do at home, but 
I'm hoping for a party at the Emirates on Sunday, so I'll go for I'll go for five one then. Go for five one, <laughs> just like I'll, the Everton game. I'll take a one nil um, uh, for the Arsenal and a two one for Everton, please, and that will be a perfect day. Briefly talking about that, what are your thoughts on Everton at Goodison hosting City, Trevor? Briefly, can you do briefly? My, my heart says, <laughs> my heart says. Everton can turn them over. My head says, no chance. No chance. City are too good for Everton. Dan? I think Everton can. They've had, even before the Brighton before, um, game, they had a good performance. They had a very clinical performance and breaking on Brighton. And I think Brighton don't set up too far different from how City will set up against them. The difference with City is City, City are clinical and, and take their chances. You know, they're given half a chance and they take it. So they need to be massively on song. They need the crowd to get behind them and they need something to, to get the crowd rolled up. But they've started to gain a little bit of confidence and I still think they're a very poor side, Everton. But with confidence and a structure with a, a, a solid coach like, um, like Sean Dyche, they can do. You know, football throws up a lot of shocks at the end of the day, and the Premier League is unpredictable. So hopefully with City having a tough game yesterday, a very aggressive game yesterday, and I think maybe a few niggles and a few people that will get rotated and rested, and also looking ahead to next week against Real Madrid, which is another tough game, hopefully the timing's right and it might just take their after ball and Everton nick either a win or a draw. Okay, Alex, uh, thoughts on it before we wrap up? Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping. I think they'll they'll need a bit of luck on the day, and 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 City will have to be unlucky as well. So, but yeah, I'm clinging on to the hope that they'll they'll somehow get a result, and you know maybe Iwobi will get a late winner, and we'll we'll have a statue of him in the end in front of Emirates. Who, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm just hoping they'll do something uh, on Sunday. Right. Um, I'm, just in case anybody hasn't seen it, this was the trailer for today's show. Tune in to Guns and Yellow Ribbons at 7.30 tonight when we'll be talking about beating the barcodes on me head, son. Whoosh! <laughs> <laughs> I walk these streets alone Through this borough I call home Upon the barren fields of ivory Neath the stadiums of stone Through the turnstiles of the angel See the homeless on the green From the Cali to the cross And every shit's all in between Past the church, the mosque, the crack den And the offie on the corner See the brasses from the brothel That pretends to be a sauna Watch the bedlam in the bookies See the winners and the losers Seeking solace from their sorrow in the local battle cruisers through the madness in the market weathered faces turn to greet your hello governor as your mother your right, son be lucky geezer double ply 
mashing liquor A couple of rosy leops out Portraits lie against his picker Every day in half his calf The little fucker's causing trouble For the causes make you smile You meet your muckers for a couple Forget your troubles for a while From the full nil to the hemi All the faces are the same Cause the matter might be changing But the people still remain us on the way up to um up to newcastle uh one last thing just before we go reese asked a really good question uh what would block five or what would the emirates be like could you imagine the atmosphere going to the emirates following an everton win it would just i think we'd all feel like we're walking on air don't you think it would be like that anyway win lose or draw block five block six unbelievable unbelievable Ferg, you know what's gonna happen now i think this son you know what's gonna happen right but this is a really good one today, Ferg. A bit social media over the last day or two, there's been fans of other clubs, and I'm not going to name the clubs or the fans, right? Because we're not going to give them any airtime on our great show, right? But there's been fans of other clubs on Twitter. Some of it's been tongue-in-cheek, funny, having a go at us. Some of it's been cheeky, having a go at us. Some of it, as we've seen today, has been a bit abusive and out of order, having a go at us. But what you've got to remember, Arsenal fans, is the reason all these fans of other clubs have suddenly started jumping on our social media and jumping on us, is that they know we're good. They know we're really good. They know we're good on the field. We're good in the stands. We're a great set of supporters. And we're getting under their skin and they're getting jealous of what they're seeing. So keep doing it, Arsenal fans. Just keep doing what you're doing. If, if it's not to be this season, then it's not to be. I hope it is. But if it's not to be this season, then it's not to be. But what's coming is coming. We are improving. And we are growing off the field and on the field. And fans and the players together have made us what we are this season. So proud of everyone. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't um, echo any more than what you said. Um, guys, thank you as always. Um, uh, for joining us. It will be absolutely brilliant for the four of us to be sitting and having a beer on Sunday. Um, also, there's a few other people coming along. Gary's uh, joining us as well. Uh, uh, Alex's dad and his sister Victoria are coming over to join us. Uh, we probably have Tim and Hannah. Uh, we'll have Dale. There's got to be a bunch of us and we're just going to have one uh, hell of a laugh. And my son's coming as well. You've yeah, forgotten. Um, oh, what's her name? She's in the name. chat now, anyway, as I can see. So you're you're excused, mate. Yeah, yeah. Don, Donna's coming. Um, I think that's probably more just to monitor the truth about the quantity of how large these pint glasses are, <laughs> rather than we, we know you only have two, but they're quite big pint glasses, Trevor. <laughs> well, no, Trev, you've um you've got to celebrate. So you've got to have more than two this time, haven't you? Just for a one-off. Listen, mate. Two's enough for me. I had two in Newcastle. It was plenty. Two, Dan, as far as I'm concerned, son, 
Bob's your uncle. Two pints. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you, if you like what we do, hit the subscribe. As I said, if you listen to audio, go over to YouTube and uh, click on the subscribe. Uh, we're getting there. We've got a new subscriber. A couple of new subscribers uh, while we're watching the show. Thank you very much. Up the Arsenal. Fuck the Spurs. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too. Dan's going to get a scarf. Dan, Dan, have you got the scarf there in the background? I think you do. We'll leave the camera on and we'll uh, get your scarf out for the boys. Get your scarf out for the boys. If you want to see it, five block six, Sunday. <laughs> Come there, you can see it. You can see Nutter jumping around in a scarf and singing in lots of beer and bringing you singing voices. <laughs> <laughs>